0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Keeping the Peace podcast with me, Alexis Powell-Howard. Today, I'm really excited to have been joined by Colin Lewis. Colin and I have tried to speak and do this recording several times over the last few weeks, and today was the day. Um, Colin left school at the age of 16 and joined the Royal Navy Submarine Service before joining Merseyside Police, where he had a long and rewarding career, retiring as an inspector in 2015. He currently works for the National Police Wellbeing Service which he joined in 2019 and he manages and looks after the outreach service. In this conversation you'll hear his passion for making sure that services are available to police officers and staff when they need it most and the amazing team that helped him to deliver this service all over the UK. I hope you enjoy this conversation. You're listening to the Keeping the Peace podcast, produced in collaboration between Oscar Kilo, the National Police Wellbeing Service and Fortis Therapy and Training. Okay, so this, today I'm joined by Colin Lewis. Colin and I have tried to meet several times, so we've finally managed it today. Hi, hi Colin.
1: Good morning, Alexis. Good morning, everyone.
0: So it's lovely to see you, and I'm really excited to learn about the outreach service that you are massively involved in for uh, Oscar Kilo. But before we get into that, I just wanted to know a bit about your background and history. Um, I took from the, some of the information that you sent through to me um, that you'd been in the Royal Navy Submarine Service okay. before you joined policing. So I'm just a bit curious about that, really.
1: Um, OK. I'll, is it OK if I quickly mention the team as well? Yeah, of you, course the, it is. Work with, um, yeah. Just to, to give a sort of flavour of... You know how, how we try and work, and how important our customers are to us, really. But yeah, I left school uh, the first minute I possibly could. Um, <laughs> after a stunningly awful uh, performance, um, I joined what was called a YOP, then a Youth Opportunities Program, which oh, is yeah. very, very glad of. It became a YTS, mm. and I worked for a, a big employer in uh, in Liverpool at the, t- at the time, the John Moores family, Littlewoods, um, and uh, I stepped into the Navy. Yeah, again. Uh, I'm making myself sound bad now, but the first time I had to pass any examinations with the with Flourish, um, it all started to go wrong for me again. Um, and I was walking along the dockside one day in Plymouth and I met a particularly scruffy individual who spoke to me about submarines and, uh, and within a very short space of time had turned my head. I went off to join them and uh, really, I suppose that was my first foot in the door. Uh, uh, really responded well to the particular type of training, to the particular individuals, the camaraderie, etc. And had a fabulous six years or so with them. Um, left and joined Merseyside Police. Uh, and again, um, really uh, sort of responded to, uh, to the people I was working with, etc. And had a, a fabulous career with, uh, with Merseyside. Left uh, as an inspector, having seen all the normal types of things that you would expect a a, a police officer to to see over that period in and around a big city like Liverpool and all mm-hmm. the suburbs, particularly places like Knowsley, and then um, had a year off um, when we were having a lot of work done with the house. Um, I married to a, a police woman, a, a police sergeant who's actually ju- just retired too. Um, and then after a little while, spent some time doing various jobs, had a very interesting year as a registrar, births, deaths and marriages. That was interesting. Yeah. And then saw, uh, saw the role advertised with the National Police Wellbeing Service, temporary role, sort of fairly short term. Um, but of course, that's a that's a different thing once you've retired and you can do those types of things. Yeah. Um, So took a a gamble and uh, haven't looked back since, really. Mm. Um, So what drew me to it? Um, Probably some of the experiences in the police, probably the opportunity. uh, Loads of cheesy phrases now, isn't it? Like, give something back, but Mm. I haven't found a better one. No. Um, You know, to give something back, particularly to those, not not just operationally on the front line, because, uh, you know, it's a big beast policing, Um, but to try and get perhaps some services and some support to those people in policing who are harder to reach Mm. you know that being the phrase we would use if it was a community so it's exactly the same principle really so that was what drew me to it Mm. been very very fortunate to work amongst a delivery team which is the wider team who are all driven by very similar principles and within that the outreach and logistics team which consists of uh, carol who looks after our sorts of infrastructure the bookings those types of things the with all the forces and make sure that we've got all the arrangements in place mark who looks after our logistics and our safety and steve who does the majority of our driving all brought together after similar sorts of backgrounds and all very very focused on those individuals that we're trying to reach
0: it's interesting isn't it because i suppose into the well-being service you bring all like you say the whole team does you as well you bring all of those experiences that you've had so you've got that lived experience so you know the impact that policing can have on the individuals that are actually carrying out the roles um and i guess that informs informs the service that you're offering as well
1: it does it does yeah and and similarly we've got the knowledge of the police the policing governance and structure because it's a complex um it's a complex organization and it's not as simple as, you know, look up a phone book and see, and then you'll get to speak to him or her. It doesn't work like that. You need to know uh, the routes that you have to take, for example, to get some support to the ground uh, when a crisis is unfolding, when that force or that organisation is knee-deep in decision-making, hasn't got enough resources to deal with it, is trying to manage the media, is trying to manage officer wellbeing and welfare staff issues, all sorts. You need to sort of efficiently, effectively make the offer, speak to the, and that's not easy. And without the knowledge of policing, um, you know, that would be, I guess, difficult. So when when we use terms like FIM, it's got a general meaning in a police force. They might be called different things, but the force incident manager, they're the people who probably got an oversight of what's happening on the ground getting to them can be more tricky than than perhaps uh, you'd like but you've got to know where to go at those moments and similarly and as i say if we if this podcast was about community engagements and we were talking about uh, engaging with the community and various communities we would already have agreed that some of them are harder to get to than others some of them for whatever reason harder to reach. Well, it's no different in policing. Mm -hmm. And and it might be that the reasons are that they work really difficult shifts, or it might be that there's a particularly well-defined culture and characteristic about that group of people, for for example, custody, uh, or it might be um, that uh, they work in a covert world. But the point is that there's lots of groups who are hard to get to. Um, and it doesn't always mean that they're not asking for help, by the way. Sometimes they are, and they're desperate for it. Mm. But making that link can be tricky. And I guess that's really where the policing background of the team can be helpful.
0: I think it's really fascinating, that actually, because, you know, when we are thinking about the police as a community and the hard to reach aspects, you're absolutely right. In, in any other, I mean, I'm sitting in multi-agency meetings and in different meetings, you know, for local authorities and things. In every other in every other meeting you do have those conversations about how do we how do we create something that is accessible as you say it might not be that people aren't asking for help it might just be that actually physically getting to the help or knowing who the right people are to speak to or um, accessing it easily or readily is becomes there's a lot of barriers in the way to actually doing that
1: Yeah, absolutely yeah and and the thing is it's never-ending job because you know, and obviously, I'm I, I'm not a comms expert, I'm not a media expert. But if you, if you look at someone like me, and you said, right, we, we want to get message to people in the 50s who were do in these circumstances, blah, 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 blah. Right, okay, well, the modern media world would say, okay, well, social media is going to be big for us, let's get out there. Well, I'm not going to look at it. No, you know, that that's me done for if that if that's the if that's the the passage of information, that's me done first. So there's got to be something else. There's got to be another route. Now, a lot of the young, for example, response officers, they will be on social media. But do they look at our social media? Mm. I don't know, to be perfectly honest with you. Probably not a lot of them. Um, there are other routes as well. Obviously, we go through uh, comms teams. We go through the supervisory structure, the courses that are being delivered, are put the information. But it is a never-ending job to try and get the message to those people who perhaps, and, and, and I don't want to say need it the most, because I've no idea who needs it the most. There might be someone working in an accountancy department today mm. who needs our support more than people on the response front line. You know, yeah, you so, can't
0: make that assumption, can you? you that, know, that's right, yeah, uh... it's,
1: it's, it's right across the whole board. There's jobs like CSOs who are dealing with you know difficult situations every day. There's CSIs who are seeing terrible things every day. There are FLOs who are engaged in that awful you know, uh, interaction that they have to have for the families. And, you know, it's very, very difficult. There are people trying to convict pedophiles, as we speak today, who are seeing the worst possible material. There are supervisors who are struggling with their resources and who are trying to hold it together for the sake of the shift. There are call handlers who are taking calls, as we speak now, which will have a lifetime impact on them. Um, And that's not to say that every minute of every day, uh, everybody in policing is being traumatized. They're not, they're a resilient brunch. Yeah, they they've are. got the coping strategies. They're a great bunch. They have a, a good laugh sometimes. Uh, a lot of the times they're able to deal with it, but picking out those needles in the haystack mm. is difficult. And I speak from experience there from my policing uh, days, you know. And unfortunately, when I think back, for example, to, the, to, to the, the, the people who took their own lives through the course of my policing career, and I was only talking to my wife about this the other day. I wouldn't have had any of them down for doing it, to be honest with you. It came as a a shock every time. Now, sometimes I thought, oh, actually, yeah, I hadn't heard about him for six months. Well, Mm -hmm. there was the the clue. But more often than not, no, I'd had some contact with them and it came as a complete shock. So it's a never-ending job. If, if, if we think about, and I know we're going to talk about the fleece, but if we think about the role, it's really to provide a generic service that lots of people can access and have the opportunity to say, you know, not just um, I'm struggling, but also I've got, a, I've got a bad leg or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, anything. In the back. But yeah, absolutely anything. And right down to as well, trying to have as much uh, presence in the right places that we can for the people who, who are struggling and might just, benefit from a signpost or whatever it is we can give them you know. yeah
0: and it might exactly it might not be much but it's something that sets them just on that right path as well and I think that's what's important but I was just thinking about you know that multifaceted approach you know you're just talking there really about almost marketing your your offer in and and for people who aren't in the police I think they would think well it's police force you just you know put it out on intranets, send out some emails get the chief officers involved and and everyone will know about it but you're absolutely right that unless you know the avenues and the channels to go through, it's quite a complicated um, process, isn't it? To get that really, I mean, it's massively helpful what you're doing every day. So, but it's getting that information out there to the right people so they even know it exists, but also mm-hmm. how to access it. And, you know, like you say, social media in one hand is, um, you know, it, it creates such a lot of positive stuff, but it also creates such a lot of barriers and negativity and toxicity potentially as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but how you actually take this service to people, that's the bit for me where, you know, quite often when, when people are struggling, whatever it might be that they might need to talk to somebody about, the expectation is that they will be the people who will figure out who they need to speak to in order to be able to access something, which is often the barrier to accessing something. And you've got wait lists and everything else that comes with that. Um, yeah. But actually what you're doing is taking that service and making it as accessible and as visible as possible. To the police officers and the staff.
1: Yeah, I think you're you, you're right, and 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 that's the strength of the fleet. That's the strength of the vans, is that, uh, uh, you know, I can't particularly give you a reason why, but they are a honey They do draw people. Mm. Um, now that that's got to be, be obviously in partnership with the right clinicians and the right people, um, you know, from the OHUs and the well-being teams, etc., who invariably staff the van. But what they do do is they draw people to them, and and. You know, we, we debrief every um every deployment that we have, and we have a return rate on those debriefs of well over 90%. So I can speak with confidence when I talk about, yes, I can do the police thing and I can tell you how many thousands of people have visited a van. Okay. But the case studies are much more interesting. Yes, than the, the case impact. studies. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and when you read the case studies, so I can tell you about someone who 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 visited a van in the backyard of a a police station who'd been off sick with uh, stress type issues for a very long time, but wouldn't go to an OHU. Now, I don't know why they wouldn't go to an OHU, but I've been in the police long enough to know, or I was in the police long enough to know, that it was probably something to do with the location of the OHU, and probably something to do with having to walk through a reception area and report in and go into the lift and go four floors and walk through an operational department and those types of things perhaps the van tucked away in a corner gives them another type of access um, I could talk about case study. there are lots and lots of physiological case studies as well particularly around blood pressure um, and, and that's not a surprise is it when we look at the workload that they have and the 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 environment that they work in but within those case studies there are lots from the nurses that say someone called in had no idea they had a blood pressure issue and ended up going straight to the hospital you know so that's serious Mm. uh, serious clinical stuff and uh, and this is what the, the the vans do I think that um, they draw people to them it may be that they just stop to, to to pick up a packet of biscuits on the way past or some fruit or whatever it is but the point is that it allows those professionals to have an interaction yeah uh, with the individuals and perhaps individuals that they wouldn't normally that they wouldn't normally contact with so and, and when we can do it uh, as in uh, the National Police Wellbeing Service it's exactly the same principle so when I'm thinking about during the lifting of the restrictions, there were certain points in the lifting of restrictions where the demand was always going to be very, very, you know, spike very sharply that weekend. So, for example, when they lifted the licensing restrictions and 40 million people want to go to the pub and let the hair down, well, all of those people still have to be policed by yeah. a group of people, a large proportion of whom had joined the police during or recently and haven't seen that nighttime economy demand is a big shock and stuff now. Mm. So, uh, you know, one of the ones that stands out from me there is a young Bobby, and we were in Leeds, in the backyard in in Leeds, and he'd just been assaulted the first time. I know you've spoken to Dave Brewster, I think, he's done a podcast, but the opportunity to engage with him in the moments after his assault, support him, make him a cup of tea, bring his colleagues in, normalise it, if that's yeah, what debrief you want to call way, yeah. It. And also the ability, you know, from our perspective, to, to go right back to the first point at which one of us was assaulted and remember what it was like and remember, you know, I know it was going to happen at some point, but it's still a bit shocking because I got called to that house to help people and the fella come out and, uh, and clock me, you know. Mm. Um, so, but those things are happening every single day all over the country, all the time and and this service is all about being there as much as we possibly can for them and empowering those nurses, the clinicians, the wellbeing leads, the wellbeing teams to make themselves as accessible as they can be, Mm. Uh, whether it's simply a a well-being uh, campaign or whether it's targeted at, I mean increase increasingly we're drawn into operations now which is a great sign because it, it shows that operational planners are starting to think about us they're starting to think about well-being as a part of their plan which is fantastic yeah. a lot of that sort of momentum's come from things like the G7, COP26 conference but now we're also involved in you know, in long-running land searches where they're they're out in exposed places, they've got nowhere to have a cup of tea, they've got no shelter, etc. So we're able to support them there. Um, we're also involved in things like the party political conferences, the um, the forthcoming Commonwealth Games, mm. the tour of Britain. Now that they, they, they all sound great, but the important bit for me. Is that means that planners are starting to think?
0: Well, yeah, you're visible, um, aren't you, in all of those yeah, key yeah. key moments? And yeah, I think yeah. as well, and
1: perhaps a... I'm doing them a disservice, their electors, because if they're listening to this, they might think I was already thinking of it. There was just no one to call, and that would be a fair point. Yeah, you know, that would be a fair point. Maybe for five years they've been thinking it would be great to have some sort of vehicle, yeah, or vehicles that we could bring down and put on particular spots, and 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 let the bobbies and staff have some uh, some welfare retreats. Well. We are here now we're, we're, you know we've we've got a limited fleet but we do a lot of work with it so the fact that but you the met, yeah but it's great. good use
0: as well and I think that the, it is that um the preventative aspect of that and the the early intervention because both of those examples you gave you know you're picking up uh, you know someone who's been assaulted and, and dealing and being able to use your experience to support that person but also then the blood pressure and things you know those are those are the kinds of things that long term create well it, you know massive health issues and so you, so being able to kind of almost be there at the right moment to pick up some of those things and and if you if you're providing welfare, welfare facilities I guess that also creates that informal conversation and you know other things come from that as well it's it's breaking down the barriers isn't it to making it okay to yeah. to talk about stuff
1: yeah, yeah absolutely and now I do have to stress the significance of the local resources here because you know, our types of deployments, typically a healthcare deployment, so a force would ring us up and say right we're going to have a, a healthcare campaign over two weeks in July, for example. Now, the, now we can provide the, the van or vans, we can provide them with, um, you know, uh, some, uh, some material, we can provide them with the equipment. We drop the van off. We talk them through it. We give them support through the deployment. But those local resources have got to, you know, move the van, be with it each day, um, and and provide that general well-being, stroke healthcare. It might be, as you mentioned earlier, it might be that actually, they um, want to run a campaign on cancer awareness, or healthy heart, or fitness, or nutrition, or whatever. But they have to do that work they have to do the planning we provide the the actual equipment the resources, the van. Um, there are other types of uh, deployments as well now uh, as I, I mentioned events and they are you know really gathering momentum now. there are other types as well where we get a dynamic call uh, you know it, 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 unfortunately often it's a sad business yeah. um, you know that in those circumstances and we've seen, a number of deployments for loss of life in the police family but also multiple fatalities And i'm not going to go into detail everyone knows what i'm talking about mm. you know where people are on the ground and, and are struggling and they need a the resource it, sometimes it can be as simple and i'm thinking of a, of a couple of incidents in particular here you know police officers are, are dealing csos csis they're dealing with something that's immensely difficult they need to speak to each other. They need to have a conversation. They need to ring home and say, "I'm going to be two hours late." Uh, they need to have somewhere to have a sandwich. They need to do those things that we all take for granted. But set up right opposite them is the biggest media circus they've ever seen. And 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 the, you know, they're the, the worried about getting caught speaking. They're worried about, you know, perhaps smiling. They're worried about yeah. putting their hands in the pockets. All of those things. Um, and the vans can just give them, we turn it round, we face it away from everyone, we put a gazebo up, we give them somewhere private yeah. where they can do those things. They can charge the phone. They can ring the partner at home and say, listen, I'm really sorry, but I can't pick the kids up because I'm going to be here another four hours. It's all those things that are important in life. Um, but, you know, perhaps no one really wants to hear about. No, but, but it's, a, it's, a res-
0: it. it's a respite from the pressure, isn't it? And like you say, that media media scrutiny i guess which is what you start to overthink everything you're doing because all it takes is a snapshot for it to be on the on the on the front page and and that can be so damning can't it yeah
1: absolutely
0: but there's also something about how you are um collaborating with those local resources but there's also an ownership there too isn't there it kind of works really well in in that you're you're not turning up um with with, with the fleet and actually it, it's all about what you're providing it's about collaboration and being able to you know create that opportunity across the forces so it's not it's not being done to it's being done with i think that's what really kind of struck me when you were saying that that you, you're looking for it to, to be something that's a blended approach between the two different aspects Oscar Kilo, but also from the forces perspective as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the, the three things that drive us really, one is safety, because if you think about it, and again, this is something that goes on in the background that we we work every day on, but if you think about it, we've got vans going all over the UK all the time. So it's important that my team are safe. And and there's all that work that goes on with that, whether it's making sure the vans are serviced, making sure that the get the weekly check, making sure that the equipment's were all that stuff, that's a big chunk uh, of work, and it's ongoing all the time because it's the most important possible thing in our world. Then it's it's service. That's what it's all about. It's mm-hmm. about service, and you're right, it's all about partnership service. It's all about collaboration, about working with people. It's about empowering a nurse to provide a service that he or she couldn't otherwise provide, a wellbeing manager uh, to put a, a campaign on a, a comms team to use it as a backdrop to, to promote the, the force's commitment to, uh, to well-being. It's about driving up to, uh, you know, and I'm, not, I'm talking about real experiences, it's about driving along long, dirty tracks at four in the morning when the rain's horizontal and finding two officers who were stood at the scene of a terrible industrial accident and giving them the opportunity to get out of the rain and to charge the phone uh, and to, you know, perhaps do some what we used to call paperwork on the devices that, that, that they can do out of the rain. It's about all of those things and far, far more. And you're you're absolutely right. The whole thing hinges or falls on people's ability, willingness, knowledge of us, you know, to work with us. And those signs uh, from where I'm sitting are, are extremely positive, you know, yeah. that, that, that growth in demand is very, very noticeable. I mean, what happened during uh, COVID, unsurprisingly was we were, I would say we were quite busy at the start. Then there was that day where everything stopped. Mm. And then all we did then was take cancellations. Now uh, for a period of about three months, uh, Carol and I looked at each other and Steve spoke to us, the driver. And I remember there was a day where Steve said, if you can't help now, what's the point of us? Yeah. And he was absolutely right. And that's how we felt about it. And then all of a sudden there was a change um, because, and, and it wasn't related, but we were asked with the delivery team to run an antibody testing station by Public Health England. Never done anything like that before. We had nine working days uh, to put a, a thousand people through. And it was at the time when everyone was a bit nervous because what's this virus thing, you know, and ever get it and take it home, is it going to hurt someone at home? And, but this team of individuals, you know, stepped up and did this, this antibody testing station. And it was almost like at that point, what happened was a whole new demand area emerged for us because all of a sudden, and as I say, unrelatedly, we started taking phone calls from the operational world. So previously it had mostly been well being teams, OHU teams. Now that's re-emerging, but over the, the following 18 months or so of COVID, the, the, the majority of the calls came from the operational world, and it was, uh, for example, we've got a demonstration against the restrictions in Bradford, and we've had to call them all in on the days off, and we're giving them big long shifts. And all that's so, is there anything you can do for us? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, we can. We'll, we'll come over there and we'll support you on the day, and we'll make them a cup of tea, and we'll have a laugh with them, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll give them as much support, right as i said earlier there's other calls uh, listen unfortunately it appears someone has taken a life what can you do for us we can get to the to the station and we can support you with a van and we're on our way in the next hour two hours yeah, whatever. Amazing. there's been an industrial accident what can you do from us we've got a uh, large-scale disorder in bristol and it's going to go on and on what can you do for us well we can get a van to you um, and we can leave a van with you and if you want another van you ring us and we'll come and get another van to you and we can make the van exactly the type of van that is, is suitable for your circumstances because you know after, uh, after the, the loss of Andrew Harper we adjusted the fleet, uh, we ordered a couple of different type of vans I mean, Thames Valley are an incredibly proactive force around these issues. And their learning experience there helped us to adapt the fleet and order two new types of vans, which were perfect for things like Bristol, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there was another van that, I mean, for example, out of uh, Thames Valley at that time, we learned that uh, they they, they counsel something like 300, 400 people in the back of vans at, the, at that wow. time. So we ordered a van that provided a nice professional one-to-one space, Um that was used for things like, you know, after a loss in the police family, but also on the case studies that I mentioned, Alexis, you see things coming back like, um, what did you use the van for? Well, I prayed in it. Mm. You know, I mean, it, 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 it's, the, it's the most fundamental of services that we can provide. But at the, the, those moments where it's difficult for them, they're the most important things that you can we can Are you literally.
0: I was just thinking you're literally creating a space for whatever is yeah. needed yeah. at that time, yeah, aren't yeah, you? Absolutely. And it's yeah, and it's yeah, kind yeah. of it's a safe space. And that yes. is so important when they're as you describe all of those different incidences, they're all massively risky, potentially traumatic, but but very difficult to manage and, and often yeah. long shifts as well. So
1: it is, yeah, yeah. It is, you're absolutely right. And you know, I love seeing a case study that says, you know, despite the dreadful circumstances. Um, And we all wish it hadn't happened. Well, actually, what happened was um, a a sergeant was able to support a probationer in the back because there'd been a child murder. Mm. You know, so using it, when when you think about it in those terms, this van, as you've just said, it stops being a well-being van. It stops being... It's
0: more more than that, absolutely. Yeah, it becomes
1: a safe space. It becomes somewhere where they can pray. It becomes somewhere where they can talk to each other. It becomes somewhere where a nurse can take blood pressure. It becomes somewhere where someone can get warm when they've been cold all night. Mm. Now, you know, we've got a long way to go, but as as I said, the seeds are very, very strong. Uh, The demand continues to grow. We continue to see a real spread of types of requests Mm. you know the the van is as likely to be getting used for a cholesterol check as it is to be getting used for a one-to-one as it is for be getting used for a sergeant to give a little pep talk as it is to be on the street corner providing a cup of tea for a group of Mm. bobbies who've been on the feet a very long time it and i guess that's the that's the old and i suppose really it's reflected in the team because the strength of the the strength of the van's a flexibility and the strength of the team is flexibility. Yeah,
0: absolutely it's the people and, that, are, that are providing yeah, that. Isn't I, it? I
1: cannot tell you how often uh those three individuals who work with me um have had to ask them listen we're going to need to stay we're going to need to go we've had a request him from here I'm really sorry everyone I know we've had a long day but we need to get a van to Plymouth now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to get a van to, on the way to Scotland now we need and I can honestly say I cannot think of one occasion where anyone's raised an eyebrow or said anything other than, right, how are we going to do this? And, and that, that flexibility of the fleet is mirrored in the flexibility of the team. And it's I also- have an awful lot of them. But because of the background, as you alluded to, mm. they understand what it means. They understand that, you know, get, getting that resource to that person, those people at that point is important and it's important to them. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, and it and it, it that comes from being passionate about knowing the impact and knowing the value of what you're providing, doesn't it? You know, if, I think it it always comes down to the people. It always comes down to the team it and does. how they approach it. Yeah. Yeah, it and does. it and it sounds as well like you know, although COVID obviously was was a horrific time, uh, those early days, especially where we didn't really know what we were dealing with. In some ways, it's created. I mean, in business terms, we talk about pivoting. You know, you pivoted. Your yeah. offer to actually accommodate what was needed, and that's that then opened up a whole other range of people that now are aware of of what you do. So I, I guess that in terms of your your service development, that must mean that that's going to need more investment in the future and 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 more of a fleet.
1: And well, I, I don't know because we, we we've got ten vans at the moment. One of the vans is always in London um, because of the very particular demands in, in London, and and rightly so. The other nine vans of those um, seven are generic. So they are the sort of the the healthcare um, type platform. But as you've just said, they're they're very flexible. Another one is a one-to-one van. Another van is uh, called Oscar Kilo One. And that's a sort of a mobile refreshments room platform, you know, a welfare area for them. Um, I guess, to be honest, because it gets so much out of the team, the coverage is immense. Yeah, we do have patches now where all the vans are out, and um, we've got absolutely no room for manoeuvre with anything. Mm. Um, and that's that. Those patches are increasing, so we we are growing. The demand's growing. There's no doubt about it. But the, the there is plenty of time where I feel like we're operating at an absolute optimum level, and yeah. I say that as someone who was an inspector in Merseyside. I understand. You know, we're we're pretty resilient people. We're not. Oh, I'm really busy all the time. Really, but no, I'm not. I, make, I try and get them some downtime. Where I can, if, if I need to, I'll boot two vans off the road and say stop because we've done too much driving and yeah. I'm, and I don't want uh, any any risks on that front. So just stop and let's make sure everything's safe. And so we do have that ability to control. the The, the output is very very high. I mentioned numbers. We we have a very simple. Uh, method for for uh, measuring how many people visit the van, and it's those old clickers, you know, through the gate. Oh,
0: right, okay. So like a one Dolman. of them
1: goes out on every single deployment, <laughs> and they give us a very accurate number back. Mm. And that's all I can say, unless they're very, very creative and they're coming up with numbers like 283, <laughs> um, then, then I, I've got a high level of trust in the numbers. And, you know, since we started counting, which is, uh, I don't know, G- July 19, something like that, you know we've we, we know we've had about forty. We're coming up on on about forty thousand visitors, not not wow. visit, sorry, visits, not visitors because I don't know how many have come back. That gives you an idea of the sort of the sort of numbers that they attract. That said, that said, the quality is just as important. So sometimes we will see a deployment that's come back from a, a force that, um, has had a particularly large traumatic event and it will say we had 12 people on that day thank you very much those 12 people were people who've been impacted and who yeah. you know we were, were, were very glad of the service we provide as, as a result of those 12 visits we've made two ongoing referrals and we've got another you know another long-term okay so the quality is every bit as important as mm. the quantity mm. um, but we are able to do both um you know the, the the vans have a very high footfall, so we have to look after them. You know they start to look scruffy pretty quick because you've got, you know, literally hundreds and thousands. Being of people used, walking yeah, absolutely. through. They all seem to have a biro sticking out the back pocket. <laughs> you know, and sit on our lovely seats and stuff like that. That some of them, I don't know what they've been walking in, but when they when they walk in the van, you know, the the floor's unrecognised. So that that sort of stuff in yeah, the background, important stuff, to yeah. People. But we've just started refurbishing our first one, so. Um, you know, uh, so I'm grateful of that. And, um, and, and it's a case of keeping those resources as long lasting and as fit for purpose as we can, because as you've just said on a number of occasions, if we provide those sergeants, those supervisors, those, you know, planners with the resource, it's actually them who are creative, Yes, you know, it's them who say, and it's the debriefs that are important to us. And, and there's lots of signs that that creativity you know, is it, pay. I mean, I mean, it's simple stuff. This. So, for example, I banged on about the, the van hasn't got a toilet. Well, if you've been on a, a crime scene for twelve hours, you know what, what are your priorities? Well, I know what mine would be. Um, <laughs> and with, I'm sorry, listeners. You know, I know I know that, uh, you don't want to hear this, but and perhaps I should have said I know what most people should be. Um, however, that can be difficult. Now, I banged on about it. I went down to a, a, a hostage negotiation um, h- incident a, a few uh, months ago in West Midlands. It was a late call out. It was uh, I arrived there I don't know eleven o'clock at night, something like that. The first thing I saw on the on the scene was porcelain. Now I can't tell you how pleasing that is to me. Yeah. I spoke to the individual. I said, "How long's that been here?" He said, "Oh, they sent it within a couple of hours. They knew it was going to be you know a, a long standing scene." So they said it's those little things you know we talk about well-being we talk about basic
0: needs isn't it you go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs it's very basic
1: stuff absolutely that's what we need it (laughs) yeah and one of those basic needs is shelter and privacy Mm. and that's you know where the vans begin to Mm. come into their own Mm.
0: Colin it's been fantastic to talk to you it's fascinating what you're doing and you and the different perspectives you've brought to the podcast as well actually in terms of thinking about policing as a community and you know um and how you engage them as effectively as possible. And I, I, you should be really proud of what you've achieved, and I wish you the best of luck with it in the future as well. Thank you, Alexis. And, and, you. and you know,
1: to, to anyone who's listening, if you're thinking, you know, maybe the the bottom line is if you think we can prob- possibly help you, then we probably can. Mm. So the Oscar Keeler website's there. Get on it. Drop us a line. We'll get back to you straight away. If it's a bad thing and you want us as fast as you can, you know, there's only three of us who, who drive, um, but I promise you this, if we can, we'll get on the way to you. Mm-hmm. If it's something you're thinking and you might be able to plan us in with and and and, and get some support from, then I'm, I'm pretty confident we will. If it's a campaign week, if it's mental health week or response week of action or cancer awareness week, then get your bookings in early because, mm-hmm. you know, those weeks go quickly. I would say we've mentioned the word a couple of times here, think creatively, think mm-hmm. innovatively, think about when other people won't want the vans, Think about summer holidays and Christmas and things like that. Think about the people who are working long shifts over those types of things and how we can help them. But if you think we can possibly help you, we probably can. So get in touch. Brilliant. it's lovely Um, to talk to you, Alexis. Thank you. After all those... Cancelled appointments and all the rest (laughs) of it. We got there. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I thought I was going to fall at the final hurdle because I couldn't get Zoom working. And I was about to, for those of them that remember it, I was about to light up a Hamlet. um, However, and that's not very well being focused. No,
0: no, but we got there. Thank you. Thanks ever so much for taking the time out. Thank you, Alexis. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Keeping the Peace podcast. It's available wherever you listen to your podcasts and if you subscribe, you'll be notified of the next episode as soon as it's available. We'd love to hear your feedback and ideas for future podcasts so please do comment or get in touch on our social media platforms for either Fortis Therapy and Training or Oscar Kilo.